This is Camp Code, another innovative podcast brought to you by Camp Hacker. Camp Code is dedicated to helping you create and facilitate the most effective leadership training so we as an industry can raise the bar for professionalism and preparedness of our staff. You can find our show notes and our blog for camp leaders and directors at camphacker.tv. Welcome to Camp Code, a podcast brought to you by Camp Hacker. This podcast is dedicated to what many camp professionals believe to be the most important time at camp, no matter what you call it, staff orientation, leadership training, or staff training. This critical time period prepares your staff to fulfill all those promises that you make to parents and customers the rest of the year. And before we dive into things today, we're just going to take a moment and introduce ourselves. So Ruby, why don't we start with you? Sure. I'm Ruby Compton. I'm the Summer Camp Program Director at Green River Preserve. We're a co-ed residential camp uh, located in western North Carolina in the Blue Ridge Mountains, and we're focused on connecting children with nature. Thank you. Gab? My name is Gabrielle Real, and I'm one of the camp directors at Camp uh, Waro. I had to think, what camp do I look for? <laughs> camp Waro. Uh, and uh, Camp Waro is an all-girls camp, um, and uh, one of our premises is a bilingual program, and we focus on positive girl community. Excellent. And I'm Beth Allison. I'm co-owner of Camp Hacker and one of the members of Go Camp Pro. I was an executive director of five children's summer camps. Uh, for 15 years in Muskoka, Ontario, Canada, and am now a consultant with my husband, Travis, and I specialize in leadership training. So today's topic is one we've been talking about for a few months uh, about having this particular topic, and uh, it's everywhere and you have to clean it up. So we've had other titles, that we working titles for this particular episode, <laughs> but that's the one we've chosen to go with. So Ruby, why don't you tell us why we decided that this was important enough to have a podcast of its own? Sure. So as we all know, working in camp, um, sometimes poop happens, right? It just does. <laughs> and sometimes it happens in inconvenient places. And it's the reality of it is that it's something that your staff are going to have to deal with. Uh, so I think that it's important to not let that just be an, an incidental thing. I think that it's important. I think we all think it's important to train your staff on how to deal with various bodily fluids because they will probably encounter every kind of them throughout the summer. Uh, and so we have some ideas for you today that I think will be a lot of fun. Great. Uh so before we talk about how to deal with all of these bodily fluids, we thought we would hearken you back to summer camp and when you actually had to deal with these on a weekly or sometimes daily basis. So to refresh our memories, we thought it might be fun to go uh, once around and share a horror story or two. So Ruby, why don't you lead us off? Uh, beautiful. So I would like to tell the story of the explosion because <laughs> it happens. Uh, again, I think... <laughs> it's something that kids are really nervous about is going to the bathroom in a place that they're not familiar with. And so we've all encountered the kids that have the stomach ache. And when you ask them how, if they've gone to the bathroom, they, they have it, they haven't pooped in a week, maybe two weeks. And, uh, in two different occurrences, I, I can think of, of times that the poop just, it just came out, uh, at very inconvenient <laughs> times. One time was on a camping trip. And, um, what I love is that <laughs> we had a staff member who had a dog with him. And so, um, 
some of the kids noticed like, oh, that's a really horrid smell. And the staff member just being brilliant was like, oh, my dog, I cannot believe my dog did that. And so totally blamed it on the dog. Nobody else knew that the child had had an accident, which was awesome. Because these were, these were teenagers mm-hmm. too. These were eighth or ninth graders. Um, and so we, we were able to get that, that child back to camp and, and cleaned up and it wasn't too big of a deal. Um, the other poo explosion that popped into my mind was uh, closing day of camp. We're doing our final breakfast, you know, hope you'll come back next year. Can't wait to see you all. And one of the tables in the very front of the lodge, I see the staff kind of moving around while we're making announcements. Didn't really totally know what was going on until everybody had left and the camper had been led up to the infirmary. And my staff member is just sitting there and was like, I can't believe he hasn't pooped in two weeks. <laughs> and this child just had not gone to the bathroom for two weeks, two weeks, and finally couldn't hold it in anymore. And it, I think it came out both ends, and it was just very unpleasant. But, again, my staff members did a great job of just like, it's just part of the job, cleaned it up and handled it. But, I did, again, I was standing not 10 feet from him and had no idea that's what was going on. So, um Beware of the poo explosion. It 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 happens sometimes. Uh, thanks, Ruby. The poo explosion. You just got poo explosion. <laughs> Put the two together. It's a poo explosion. So, Gab, in our uh, our podcast today, we're going to see how many times we actually use the word poop. Um, do you have any stories about that, or your bodily fluid stories about something else? <laughs> no, nothing else. No poop. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> I mean, um, uh, our, one of our doctors, uh, <laughs> other bodily fluid stories, one of our doctors, um, um, who's awesome, amazing, but she's very, she was a sympathetic, uh, dry heaver, somebody mm-hmm. else's story, actually dry heaving. <laughs> I remember being about, I'm not joking, 18 feet from the health center being like, you know, she had a friend's accent. She's like, no, no, it's okay. You keep, oh. Oh, no, no, I, I'll come in and say, oh, <laughs> and I was like, do you need me to go? And she's like, oh, I can't, I can't. <laughs> like so much. But uh, my, we all have so many uh, poo stories. And when I was at, one of the reasons we decided to talk about this too is um, I was at the Alberta camp conference and here we are at their gala night and around our table, of course, what comes out is like everybody's poo stories. So one of my poo stories um, is basically um, – um, I was walking around the dining room. It was like the third or fourth day of camp. And I can see the staff giving me the eyes, you know, and we all, we all talked about mm-hmm. before about how, how you should have symbols or signals so that you can communicate. Yeah. So nobody, no, the campers don't know. So the eyes, that's what we use. So they give you like these big eyes, like get over here. And, <laughs> and I walked over and one of the counselors whispers in my ear, walk around the table. And I'm like, oh, okay. So just slowly walked around the table and uh, the poo smell smacked me in the face like a ping pong uh, racket. Like it just, boom. I was like, wow, that was intense. So I leaned down to the little girl and I sort of said, uh, you want to come with me? And she was like, okay. Like as she's eating, she's trying to continue eating as she's leaving the table. And she's obviously pooped her pants. And I grabbed another staff member to come with me and we go to the bathroom and she's in the stall by herself. And I'm like, all right, maybe you just need to use the washroom. And she's like, Oh, I'm okay. And she, I was like, okay, well, is there anything in your pants or in your underwear? She's like, nope. And I'm like, there's for sure there's something. So I said to her, 
Okay, well, can you pass me your underwear from underneath the um, stall? Just so I, just, you know, just in case. And then she, there's a big pause and she goes, oh, actually there is. <laughs> <laughs> Poor little confession. And, and so, and, and then, you know, we have a plastic bag and we give it to her and all this kind of stuff. And, and I'm with there with the 17 year old and we're walking by and there's Jackie, who's my mom. And she's with her best friend that they met at camp when they were 17 and they're like, what do you have in your hands? And I'm like, poop and poop in a bag, basically. <laughs> and uh, they they brought the, they're like, it's almost like they were excited. And I think there's a difference between people that have, like, that bear children and mm-hmm. poop relationship and people that haven't. <laughs> because they went in almost, like, with their bare hands to take the clothing out. And I was like, what are you doing? And my poor 17 year old, she's driving. She's like, Oh, and they're like, Oh, we'll just wash this. No problem. And then, you know, they take it off. So, uh, it was a whole adventure for that 17 year old and the, the poor little girl that, but yeah, that's my poop story. It was, just, you know, a whole, whole experience of beginning to end literally. Oh, well, thanks for that giggle. Yeah. <laughs> um, Well, in over 35 years of camping, I have a lot of horror stories. Um, As a counselor, I had a camper run across the cabin in the middle of the night towards my bunk. Instead of waking up her other counselor who was sleeping directly below her, and she's barfing all the way across the cabin floor. And her name was Tracy. I still remember her. She, and this was, you know, over 30 years ago. She had hair all the way down her back, and it was all covered uh, in vomit. Uh, And I have not eaten salt vinegar chips since, I will tell you. Uh, That same year, so this was my first year as camp counselor, I had a seven-year-old camper who was too afraid to use the outhouse. So that was back in the day before Glenmore had built washrooms uh, with flushing toilets. And so without telling anyone, and I'm, I guess I'm wondering how she was ever alone in the cabin, but that was the eighties. So who knows? Uh, she had several episodes of diarrhea in another camper's suitcase. <gasps> so that was fun when we found that. Um, and that's like, that's, that's like what goes through kids' minds. Don't try to that like her. Exactly. It's what happens at the time. Uh, as a director, we had a camper. Uh, if, you, if you can't see this, um, <laughs> if you're just listening to this podcast, Ruby's face is so red. And she has her, yep. she's trying to hold back her. And that was oh. Those were Sorry, my best. Um, as a director, we had a camper who spread feces all over the washroom walls. That was a fun time. Um, And I also clearly remember one evening during campfire cleaning up vomit that was all over a camper's bunk on the top mattress, under the mattress, down the wall, because campers never throw up from the bottom bunk. They throw up from the top bunk, so there's more area to cover. (laughs) And then the camper had taken the camper to the health center and all the other camp- campers were still at campfire. So the program director, who is a dear friend of mine, her camp name is Kiaran, she and I were there in the dark with our flashlights trying to find all of the vomit oh, with me yeah. cursing the entire time that Travis and I had thought it was such a great idea to take the power out of the cabins for the summer <laughs> to make bedtimes easier for counselors. So if you've ever tried to determine where vomit is, through smell and touch at a flashlight. Oh. Mm, it was a pretty fun experience. I think we can all lift up our hands <laughs> and 
well as people that are listening that at some point poop has been smeared over something <laughs> yeah. and that somebody's been cleaning up vomit in the dark. Absolutely. And, Absolutely. and where there's one case of a kid puking, there's usually two or three other ones that That's are, right. you know, it's just, <laughs> and, and today we're not necessarily talking about, you know, um, if you have, uh, oh, in French, it's what is it in English? The gas, a gastronomie, you know, like when you're, uh, the stomach flu. Yeah, the stomach flu. Yeah. We're, we're not necessarily talking about like, you know, all that stuff, but right. that, that can happen. It's, and so. Yeah, it's the bodily fluid stuff. Yeah. And so since we all know, since these are funny stories that we can all relate to because we've all been there, um, we thought we would talk about ways that we can give some tips that are fun ways to teach how to deal with, uh, you know, bodily fluids, things coming in and out of your bodies that we want to come in and out of our bodies. Um, so how, Ruby, do you monitor campers' ins and outs? Um, what are fun ways you teach that with your staff? For sure. Um, so I have two kind of best practices I want to share that I've seen over the last couple of years I think are brilliant. Um, so at the end of every night, we do, instead of a devotion, because we're a non-religious camp, we do rosebud thorn. A lot of camps, I think, do this. So each child has an opportunity to share their rose, which is their favorite part of the day, their bud, which is their thing they're looking forward to tomorrow, and their thorn, which was their least favorite part of the day. And I had some staff who added on to that, did you fertilize today? And so the kids would share as, you know, well, my rose was that I went horseback riding and my bud is that I'm going to the waterfall tomorrow and whatever. And yes, I fertilized today, you know, after lunch. Um, and it was just a cute way. And the counselors would share too. I think that's really critically important is that the counselors are open and willing to talk about it. I remember that mm -hmm. from when I was a kid going to camp that my best counselors established that day one, like we're going to talk about poop and it's okay because, you know. It, everybody poops. Yep. Um, so that was really cool. The other thing that that cabin did is they actually had a fertilizer chart on the wall. And so if you did poop that day, then you got to add a little piece of brown construction paper to your chart. <laughs> and uh, it was super cute. And I, I was working with that cabin kind of in an adopt-a-cabin way. And I came in one day and I hadn't been in there for a couple of days. And they were like, Ruby are you stopped up? You haven't marked on your chart for a couple of days. And I was like, no, 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 you can fill me in. I just haven't been here, you know, whatever. But it was super cute and fun and easy. And um, the kids were proud and I'm sure they didn't always tell the truth. Um, but at least it, it made it very obvious that like, it's okay. You know, and it's something that we all do and see even your counselors are doing it. Um, so I think that's really important. The other thing that I think is really brilliant that I first encountered when I came to GRP is we have a whole terminology for uh, pooping in the woods because that's something we teach. We take our kids out, all of our kids out on backpacking trips. And so they all have to learn that. They're all out for at least two nights. And it's not entirely possible for some folks to hold it for two nights and three days as, as they might want to do, but um, not entirely possible. So we always do um, a talk leading up to it that talks about the proper leave no trace ways to dispose of waste properly. Um, so for our kids, the terminology that it's just fun. Um, we talk about when you have to go to the bathroom, uh, even if it's just on a hike or, you know, even if you're in an activity and you're in the cabins, um, you could call it taking a CFAR. 
because uh, when we're out on hikes, basically you're supposed to go 200 feet away from water, which is about 70 adult steps or 100 adults, uh, 100 child steps. Um, that's a mm-hmm. lot to remember. So if I can just say, look, pick a landmark as far away as you can see and take a buddy and go there. Um, so that's how it got the name CFAR. You go as far as you can see. So one CFAR is for urine and two CFARs is for poop. So you got to go once as far as you can see and then do it again. And then we have our backpacking trowels that we carry are called a spanky shovel. And so uh, I think sometimes having your own terminology for it is less embarrassing than having to say, I have to go to the bathroom or I need to go to the restroom. Uh, Words that already carry some weight with the kids that they've had that experience at school or at home or whatever it might be. Um, To have your own terminology and everybody's kind of using that terminology, I think it goes a long way. And when we talk about going to the bathroom in the woods, because now we're not just talking about it being scary going to the bathroom that's not a toilet you're familiar with and maybe other people can hear you and whatever, but now we're talking about totally taking the kids out of their comfort zone and doing something mm-hmm. they maybe have never done. Um, one of the ways we encourage that is our talk is kind of silly and we make jokes about the positions you can be in and how you're going to do that. And you could even do the partner lean and that's a total trust activity and, and all this kind of silly stuff. But we also talk about rating your spanky on a uh, five star scale. So like one star spanky is, you know, like you missed the hole and didn't come out very well <laughs> and just wasn't, just wasn't very satisfying to five star, which is like, you had this beautiful view on a bluff and sun was rising and then a deer <laughs> ran by. And, uh, so that's kind of fun. The kids will come back from their spankies and the, and the staff model this hundred percent. And they'll come back and be like, Oh man, that was a four star spanky. That was really great. Soil was so soft. I could dig right in. Um, but again, I think creating some of your own terminology goes a long way for making it easier and more comfortable for the kids to talk about. Great. Absolutely. Gab, what have you got to add? Okay, that's sorry. Is that can you say that word again? I I want to make sure I get it right. Spanky, like yes, spank with it's a, a spanky. lot. Spanky, yeah, yeah. Got it, got it. Making <laughs> sure that's awesome. Uh, I, you've inspired me to be a little bit more um, explicit about our bathroom talk, Ruby. Uh, we're not that explicit, but I I like it. Um, I think it, it yeah, it comes down to your culture and, and, and what kind of culture you want to create around these. Things. I really love it. Um, one of the things that we do is um, in, in certain get to know you games, we play like, would you rather in a non non-threatening conversations, would you rather take a morning poop, an afternoon poop or, or an evening poop? And, and uh, you know, um, are you a scrunchier versus a folder of your toilet paper, getting people, what's your favorite uh, stall at camp? So incorporating some of those questions to say, like, we all poop, it, we, all, we all go to the bathroom, it's important that we go to the bathroom. Um, are you a once a day or are you a once every other day type, you know, we're hoping that everybody's once a day. Um, but sort of like aim, get them to talk about it and then and it, and it be all right, you know, in that sense. And just make it not necessarily a specific conversation, but part of the conversation. And I think that people, when, other, when it's normal, then it's, it's fun to talk about and it's fine to talk about. And, and, um, and then of course it's also us talking to our staff and saying like, have you noticed is the person goes to the bathroom? When, you know, when do they go to the bathroom? When do they have time to go to the bathroom? Camp has, is such a um, highly scheduled um, environment and it's so packed because we want them to enjoy and we want them to connect. And also for a big part, we don't want them to be home lonely. 
And so, especially in the first couple of days, it's, it's intense. And so making sure you do have bathroom time scheduled in, I think is, is very, very important and actually highlighting it as that and, um, or that there's, or that campers feel, um, free to leave a certain program to go to the bathrooms. And I know certain camps, uh, they need a uh, counselor escort uh, to go with them. And that's something that needs to be programmed in uh, and planned in, but making sure that it's okay that they leave and that they know that they, that they can go. Cause we find that they tend to use the bathroom more when less people are around. And I think that's just normal. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's just, that's comfort level. So how, you know, how to create that environment as well. Spanky, that's going to be at Waro. <laughs> yep. Happening. And, and here's the thing, like very few people really want to talk about bodily fluids at camp, especially pee and poop, unless you're a nine-year-old boy. Um, so, and some campers and certainly staff are at camp for the whole summer. So without mom or dad or whomever they live with, and somebody needs to be there to help with these kinds of questions and these issues. And as you've already heard my co-host say, we need to make it really normal and comfortable for our campers and staff to have bodily functions and to know who to talk to and when things are not right. Um, So we were really big on FIFO breaks, which is fluids in, fluids out. Um, So it's really important for counselors to monitor campers and for staff to monitor themselves in terms of their FIFO. So how much water are they taking in on a really hot, humid summer day, which is so much of our camp life? Um, And how often are they peeing? Dehydration has some really awful symptoms and it's a miserable thing for anybody to suffer through. And it has such a simple solution. drink water. Um, So we would take time during training to actually talk about all of these topics. And we taught them the importance of monitoring the color of their pee and then teaching this to their campers. So on really hot days, Travis would literally, before he dismissed them from lunch, would say to the whole dining hall, what color is your pee, everybody? And we weren't looking for out loud answers, um, but we were just making sure that people were then taking note the next time they went to the bathroom and using it as a reminder to be more hydrated. So obviously the darker it is, the more dehydrated you are and the lighter in color, the better. So um, we would also go over very quickly with staff training what colors of pee, like murky or red, or smells like super sweet, should make them go and see the nurse immediately. And that would go along with campers too. Like if a camper came and said to them, you know, my pee looks red today, <laughs> would the counselor just say, that's all right, buddy, and we're off to archery? No, they would, it, this would be time to go see the nurse. Um, and just like Ruby, our counselors were encouraged to make like a really fun chart in the cabin and mark off how much water everybody's had to drink that day, um, as well as the poops. We didn't have brown construction paper, but that was clever. Um, I think, as Gav said, too, you also have to talk to counselors about making time for those bathroom breaks. So not just after meals, but anytime they're running by a washroom, they need to stop and see if anybody needs to go. And there also needs to be time for campers to poop. Gav alluded to that, but having, uh, we used to have counselors who would have magazines or books that the kids could take to the bathroom with them uh, or comics or something um, that they could borrow and making sure, especially that the younger ones are having those bowel movements by either doing it on a chart or privately checking in with them every day just to make sure. Um, Because when campers feel rushed and they have nine 
time to go, that's really hard on them. And that's when I think we run into some of those horror stories that you heard from us at the beginning of the podcast. Um, and as Gab said too, some I think are really embarrassed to poop in a washroom or a wash house that's full of people. And so they're going to prefer to have some of that privacy. So we need to be sure to teach our counselors to be sensitive to giving kids that kind of private time in the bathroom and making sure it's a normal part of everybody's day um, and not a taboo subject. And when I was thinking about this podcast the other day, I looked on Pinterest and I found some pretty fun things. So Pinterest actually has really great posters and there's one that's called What Your Body Is Telling You About Your Pee and Poop. Um, and I thought it would be something people could print off and put it up in the, either the washrooms or maybe in the staff manuals, whatever you want to do. But the thing that made me laugh the most is they actually have the four S's for poop. <laughs> so we talk all the time about the four S's that we established um, for summer camp, but they actually have one, which is the four S's for poop. So you're supposed to be checking size, shape, smell, and shade. Um, but I had a good Google to myself. Um, when I saw that they had a different kind of four S's than the ones that I've talked about so many times on podcasts. Um, anyway, so then lots of bodily fluids happen at camp. It's not just poop. It's not just uh, campers having an accident and peeing their pants or throwing up. There's blood, all kinds of things. Ruby, how do you train your staff to deal with all those bodily fluids when they do come out? Sure. So, Uh, Like most things that we talk about on our podcast, uh, I first start this discussion before I interview folks in my hiring packet that I send out when I've set up an interview with somebody and I send them a document that basically says, this is what it means to be an employee at Green River Preserve. There is a paragraph in there that says, you are serving in loco parentis, so you will be expected to clean up bodily fluids. And Mm -hmm. that includes, but is not limited to, and it lists off several things. It's just a little one or two sentence line. And I put it in there my, I think, second summer as director and really expected people to ask me about it in interviews. And I was totally armed with the the answer of like, (laughs) yep, yeah, you may have to do that here. And we're the camp that tells you (laughs) and you're going to have to do it at any other camp. They're just not talking about it. Um, so I think that's the first thing is just making it known, like it is an expectation and you as the camp counselor, me as the camp director, like it is all of our jobs to clean up poop that is not beneath us. That is something that we may end up doing. Um, I just had a couple of little specific, uh, tips that I've heard along the way that I think are really smart. Um, one, I think I've talked about this before, teach your staff how to plunge toilets, um, that will save you Mm -hmm. some trouble along the way. Uh, and it is always a favorite lesson during staff training for us because it's our maintenance guy comes in and the staff love the maintenance guy. And it's a great opportunity for them to just even meet him and see his area of expertise because he knows all the inner workings of all the plumbing. And so he kind of teaches them a really basic <laughs> lesson on the plumbing at camp. And the staff then take great pride in being able to uh, plunge a toilet that seems really, really clogged. So uh, that's really smart. Um, A trick that I learned when I was working in day camp is um, where the situation was typically like if a child pooped their pants, we would pack it up in a trash bag and send it home with them, essentially. But to take them to the bathroom and have them take off their clothes in the stall and put it in the toilet and just hold their clothes and flush the toilet. So that provides a wash. Um, at least a rinse to get the chunks out or whatever it might be. And so I think that that's a a really feasible 
easy tool that if you are near a toilet and there is some sort of mess, whether it's vomit or, or poo or whatever it might be, um, that way the, if the kid is able to, they can take some ownership of the cleanup uh, and it keeps the staff from necessarily having to do it all, um, but also helps take care of, of some of the big stuff until you can get it into a more manageable place. So I thought that was a really useful tool. Um, the other one that I just, I really love is uh, one of my other director friends talks about uh, when he has a kid that is riding in a car or in a bus and is about to get sick, he will tell the child mm. to tuck in their shirt and to, to vomit into their shirt um, because <laughs> it is a lot easier to take that one child and shower them and change their clothes than it is to hose out the entire bus or the vehicle or whatever it might be. And so it sounds like kind of a, a really horrifying prospect, um, but I also think it's, it's pretty brilliant. Um, and the last thing I'll say is that um, I, I also um, try to remember to tell my staff that kids just throw up sometimes, and it doesn't mean that they necessarily have to go to the nurse. Um, right. If they keep throwing up, like, yeah, then something's going on, or if they seem feverish or whatever, there's other extenuating circumstances, but I think a lot of times our staff get in their mind, especially if they haven't worked with kids a lot, that, oh, they threw up something's really wrong, and it's like, Sometimes a kid ate too much and, and they just puked, you know, and um, that helps. Sometimes our, they get really excited. Yeah, yeah, exactly. You're overstimulated mm -hmm. or they just ate, you yep. know, an extra piece of cake, whatever it might be. And so just reminding them of that so that you kind of, you know, you work through it and, and you comfort them and, and ask them what they need or what they want. But it's not necessarily that they have to go to the nurse when that happens. Um, so those are just a few of the, the tips that I've picked up along the way that I think are, are pretty helpful. Great. Thanks so much. And in Quebec, what do you guys do with bodily fluids, Gab? In, in Quebec, um, I think for, for us, actually, if, if somebody does puke, um, they have to go to the nurse, and usually they're quarantined for 24 hours. <laughs> and, it's, I, I, and, like, you know, and that's because we've had some pretty big um, flu scares and quite a while, maybe 10 years ago, I think there was quite a few camps that experienced a big flu across around Canada, mm -hmm. especially in the eastern part. And uh, so that's part, part of our policy now. We're like, it's a big deal. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Um, and, and that's just because we don't want it to spread. Um, and it, because it could be they're just excited or it could be something else, and we have to evaluate that. Uh, one of the things that we do, though, if a, if a kid is either has diarrhea or, or uh, puke, um, we have a protocol uh, where um, all of the major door handles around camp are sanitized, I would say, almost on an hourly basis. It's actually very high. And the people that do that is our maintenance team and our leadership team and that way staff see that our leadership team are you know that we take this seriously and nothing's beneath us um uh, Lysol wipes are my friends um <laughs> they're very very easy to use and to get rid of right away and um you can actually uh fasten a little just put duct tape around it and then um hook it onto your belt duct tape around your belt and it's like a holster and it makes you look cool <laughs> and if you if you have anything that you can make into a costume at camp, you're cool and it's awesome <laughs> and it just makes you're like, I can't wait to be on leadership team to wipe down things. Um, and they're like, oh, I gotta get my Lysol holster out and my fancy yellow gloves. So uh, 
so basically, you know, we, we went down uh, all the main areas. Um, I think the training aspect, you do want to teach your maintenance team or, or your cleaning team um, uh, that do your regular uh, sanitization, that they recognize in toilet bowls what uh, the after process of, of diarrhea or puke looks like. Most of the time they do know because they've done it before. But that's important because if, if that's happening, then you want to know who and why and mm-hmm. that you're able to, to be on top of it. Um, and then we also have a big bag of wood chips for those evening, uh, pukes that if they're older, they're usually able to get maybe just outside of their cabin or tent and they puke right up there. But if they're younger, they usually are like, I'm sick on myself <laughs> or on my bunkmate below me as the right. so elegantly <laughs> talked about. But, uh, wood chips are, cedar wood chips are really great. They absorb a lot and you sprinkle them on. They absorb, and then with a shovel, done, and helps with the smell. And we know mm. that the smell is the natural smell that makes us gag to get a, to stay away from it. Um, that's why people gag. It's because uh, our bodies are saying, this is not good for you. Don't eat this. Um, of course, we know not to eat that, but it's, it's a reinforcement. <laughs> that's, why, that's why people gag. That's, that's basically it. That's why nobody likes it. Um, and then, and then you do have staff members that are amazing with puke and with poop. Mm-hmm. And they surprise you, and they're fantastic. So one of my staff members, um, Emily, I remember the first time there was somebody that puked, and it was, it was a lot. And I'm a sympathetic. Um, I, I have a hard time. I work really hard at, like, just breathing slightly through my mouth, and that's the best <laughs> way to do it. But she was right in there. She rolled up her sleeves. She was like, oh, do you want to help me pick up? I was like, please do not describe. I can do this. Just do not describe anything. <laughs> Oh, <laughs> and she's like right in there. And so, so it's great to have those people around because they can teach your other staff. But um, my suggestion is actually getting your CITs at a young age involved in learning how to plunge toilets. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, be, be, and, 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 and it's a great metaphor. Poop happens. You know, it just really does. <laughs> and the younger the kids are, the more it happens. And, and most of the time my staff are like, how did that come out of such a small person? Yes. <laughs> and I'm like, <laughs> Right, can't Very true. You so much. <laughs> right, guys, look mm-hmm. at what you're learning. Um, but the, and it's and it, you know, and it makes for funny staff parties uh, um, stories afterwards. But make sure that you have the gear. You, you you've talked about it. We always talk about front loading. It, tell your expectations. I love that uh, that that's done. Um, that Ruby did that, you know, and, and, you know, you're attracting some pretty awesome people. So like, yeah, I have to deal with poop done. I've got this. I don't know how, but I'll do it. Just make sure you have a system, you know, and then we also put, um, emergency sleeping bags, uh, in, uh, in an area. So if there's a nighttime puke or pee or whatever, you can switch it right away. And, and then the kids know, and, and the staff know where to get that. And, the younger the kids are, they don't know what color sleeping bags are, and it allows us to just switch it out, and it's all good. So having those things in place is really helpful. That's great. In terms poop, of poop, 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 I wanted to <laughs> elevate the poop-o-meter on this uh, podcast. You're um, being how many poops? <laughs> if I can just add to some of the things that have been said, because they've been great ideas, I think that I would um, have kits ready to go for cleaning stuff up and to have a different one for each bodily fluid. So maybe you have a blood kit, um, a vomit kit, a poop kit, 
peek it, whatever it is you happen to do, and make sure every staff member knows where it's located or obviously have more than one depending on your size of camp. You know, we had uh, one for each of sorts of things in the boys and the girls' washrooms, that sort of stuff, um, and make sure they always have gloves. So we would go over with staff during training exactly how to use each kit. So A, you know that it's dealt with properly and according to your health codes, whatever that may happen to be, state, provincial, whatever. And B, your staff is protected. Um, and they're going to be really probably pretty grossed out during the session that you run this in, but we always used to try to add humor and funny skits and all that kind of stuff. But they will thank you big time during the summer when they need to deal with it. So we are very specific about whose job it was to clean those things up. So staff knew if they needed to get a maintenance person or to get help from somebody else or to get a director um, and when they were to, expected to do it themselves. Um, and like us, Ruby, it was a badge of honor to have plunged your first toilet as a staff member. Um, I think that all the instructions need to be written out. I think they need to be laminated and attached to the kits. So in case of panic, which some staff may have when a child vomits or cuts themselves and, you know, there's blood everywhere and, and they're now at the nurse or the doctor and they're being taken care of, but you still have to clean up the blood. Um, they don't have to think about it too much to get it right. It's all written out. It's all in that laminated card and all the supplies there where they need to go. And of course, after something happens, then all those supplies are refilled and, and we make sure that all that stuff is there. Um, and um, our staff had to carry facts or first aid kits, FAKs, um, facts that were that always contained gloves um, and all other first aid supplies that they could get refilled whenever they needed. So they were sent a list before the summer started and they were responsible for filling all of those items on the list. And we would check um, during staff training to make sure everybody had brought everything. So, um, you know, we would have, uh, we, we had supplied the list and it was part of their staff uniform. And so then we'd read out the list during staff training and everyone had to hold up the item from their facts. So we knew that everybody had it. And then throughout the summer, camp was responsible for replenishing the content as needed. And then also camp was responsible for sending them home with a full fact at the end of the summer. So for me, I think one of the things we've talked, why we've talked about this podcast, on the podcast today is that we are prepared for emergency procedures. We are preparing our staff for lost campers, for water emergencies, all those kinds of things. So we just also need to prepare them for bodily fluids because they will happen. Um, so, you know, making sure they know what happens if, what happens when, because especially with younger kids, you see a lot of it all the time. Um, and it doesn't have to be this big, insane emergency. It's just dealt with um, very quickly and um, as easily as possible. Anyway, does anybody else have anything to add before we get our recap, which I can't wait to hear how many times Gab uses poop in the recap. <laughs> I, ah, okay. I have a couple of, of just thoughts, just talking about, you, Gab mentioned wood chips, um, kitty litter, also good for cleaning up mm. whatever kind of mess, helps it clump, takes away the odor. Uh, and this summer when I was on one of my ACA visits, um, the camp I visited talked about in their vehicles, they carry packets of instant coffee and that that mm, actually really brilliant. helps. Um, with the smell. That smells way better than kitty litter. Right. And then I actually went on a backpacking trip at the end of the summer where they gave us to put our toilet paper in that we use. They gave us old um, packets of coffee. So again, like it was a foil package, then you could stuff the toilet paper in so you couldn't see it, but then it also helped neutralize the odor. Um, we also were talking uh, before the podcast 
about this phenomenon that's out there. Wait, I have to pull up the website. Uh, the, <laughs> the, uh, the squatting potty pooping stool, something to consider to put into your, to your camp potentially have available in your cabins. Um, and I've heard about this too from some friends of basically we biologically are made to be squatting when we are pooping as opposed to um, sitting. And there's a great diagram. If you Google squatty potty pooping stool, because let me tell you, when you're Googling anything that has to do with poop, like you, it's a little nerve wracking. But if you Google that, you can get some good information um, about ways to just to make our positioning easier. And so that might be something to consider. And yeah, it's definitely an adjustment. Uh, but folks that I know that have have uh, gone to this and have, it's basically a little stool that sits at your toilet so that it lifts up your, your knees. So again, you're more in a squatting position versus a sitting position, um, that it, it makes it easier and is healthier for us as humans. Um, so you may want to check that out and consider adding those to your cabins. Great. Thank that was you. Delicious. Thank you. <laughs> Gab, are you ready for your recap? <laughs> yes, I am captain Poopalot. Um, <laughs> all right. <laughs> So, for our Cooperama, uh a recap, uh, in our best practices, uh, perhaps have your campers do a fertilizing chart. I have yet to try this, and when I do, I'll let you know how it goes. Um, you can also use the fun word spanky. Uh, ask Ruby a little bit more about that. Um, for And also, you can play the game, Would You Rather, with a poop theme. Uh, Beth has a great idea with uh, FIFO. Um, it's ironic that she's using uh, acronyms, but here we go. <laughs> fluids in, fluids out. Make sure you make time for it. Uh, what's the color of your pee is a great question to ask campers and staff members. Check out in uh, Pinterest. They have a lot of poop uh, infographics. And also make time for pooping and make sure that it's comfortable. Tips and skills. Uh, please teach staff members uh, the inner workings and outer workings of the toilet system. Make sure uh, that we have fair sleeping bags. And this is for you, Beth, BFK bodily fluid kit, if you will, and make sure that they apply to different types of fluids. Gloves, cedar chips, coffee grind, and uh, Lysol wipes are also always welcomed. And that is our pooperama for today. Poop, poop, poop. Great. Ah, all I can imagine is if this is your very first podcast with us. <laughs> oh, no. You're going to think. Uh, but I know I encourage you to listen to some of our other ones as well. Um, how can you get involved with us? Well, join us uh, using the hashtag camp code. We'd love to hear from you, the kind of topics you'd like us to discuss, the guests you would recommend we talk to, uh, great leadership training tips that you have that you'd like to share with us. We would love to hear from you because this industry is all about sharing. And also, if you found this podcast to be useful, we'd love it if you'd leave us a rating and a review for us in iTunes. You can do that by going to camphacker.tv slash cc underscore iTunes. Or tweet your love of the show by going to camphacker.tv slash love. And your feedback really helps us to keep the show going. So we hope that you'll do that with us. Um, here's how you can contact us between podcasts. Ruby. So you can email me, ruby at greenriverpreserve.org. You can follow me on Instagram, rubyoutdoors, uh, or on Twitter, rubylynn85. And fun fact, our poop count is up to now 43. That's how many times we've said it on the podcast. <laughs> Dear. I'm not sure this is something I'm really proud of or not. I'll have to think on that. <laughs> Gabrielle, how can we get a hold of you? 
It's all pride. Um, <laughs> you can get a hold of me on Twitter and Insta- Instagram, Gabrielle Rail, as well as you can check out where I work at Camp Warrell. And I have a link for my email address right there. Great. Thank you. And you can find me. Our websites are camphacker.tv or gocamp.pro. You can email me directly, beth at camphacker.tv, or you can use the hashtag camphacker. Ruby, what are we going to be talking about next time? Right. So this podcast was a lot of fun. We talked about it's serious, but, you know, mostly um, we get to be kind of lighthearted with it. So we decided with our next podcast, we'd follow up with talking about um, how to train your staff and how to recover when things go really wrong, when you have some um, a big accident or a big drama, something that's really huge that happens in your camp, how to move forward from that. Great. Thank you. And our final segment on each podcast is a best practice for leadership training. We would, of course, love to hear some of your memorable moments or your most effective tips. And you can tell us what they are using the hashtag camp code. But for this week, Gabrielle is going to share a best practice with us. And I want to share with you a match with our theme and make it slightly ironic, um, <laughs> the importance of deep breathing. Ha ha ha. Um, <laughs> so except when you're around poop, because that's really... That's just not recommended. Um, so, so basically, basically, uh, we know as adults, breathing is really important. Uh, we know that as people, breathing um, helps us, you know, you know, get oxygen to our blood, et cetera, et cetera, but also to keep us calm. This, in theory, we all understand, I feel. Um, however, how do you get staff members to do this and actually believe you that this is helpful? So if you have staff members that are like Travis, of a green uh, color in the two colors. It's a little bit on that area. And I have some staff members that are green too. They need to know the why. Why is it important to breathe? And um, if you paint this picture for them, so back in the day when um, uh, cyber-toothed tigers were chasing us and you had to hide from them, you'd hide behind a bush and what was you know, best used for your um, your body, what to do is not to do heavy breathing because then the leaves would move and then the cyber-toothed tiger would attack you and then you're dead. So that's not a good <laughs> idea. You have to hold your breath. In an emergency situation, our bodies, they hold your breath and it's for survival reasons. When you're feeling stress, sometimes your body thinks that you're in a emergency situation. So it holds or creates very shallow breath. So if you're upset, anxious, uh, frustrated, angry, Deep breaths are really important because you're just literally telling your body this is not a dangerous situation. And it actually starts to help change um, how we feel and uh, it actually starts to change the, you know, the brainwaves um, that we're experiencing at that moment. And so if you have staff members that are, need the why, this is the why. And your, you actually have to tell your body, reframe it and say, we're not in a bad situation. We're in a, an okay situation. I'm just upset. I need to actually breathe deeply. And um, once I started explaining that to my staff, um, the amount of staff members that came forward to me and, and said, I'm actually breathe deeply for exams. I actually do this before I go in to talk to somebody, not just to calm myself down, but to feel less anxious. It's really helped. So if you can use that cyber tooth tiger story, and um, that was something that my Pilates instructor told me. And I was like, you are genius. And now I can tell the why to my staff. So that's my, my long-winded best practice. Love best it. practices. <laughs> cool. Great. I said best practices and that's what we should call it. 
<laughs> Only if there's acronyms, though. Okay. <laughs> That's great. Thanks, Gab. I have a feeling our poop count is now up to 44. But on that note, um, just a reminder for you to join us using that hashtag camp code. And thanks for listening, friends. Please remember, no other industry shares its best practices the way summer camps do. If you use an idea heard on a Camp Hacker podcast, please be professional and give credit where credit is due. The Camp Code is brought to you by Beth and Travis Allison, Summer Camp Leadership Training and Marketing Consultants. Thanks for the listening, friends. Camp Hacker, bringing your world into focus.